You know, I had a pretty unique experience in that I actually went to college twice. Uh, the first time I went, after I got out of high school, got my degree in business administration, and then I had a couple uh, businesses that I ran for a couple years, then God called me into vocational ministry, and so then I went back to school and got a degree in biblical preaching. I want to share with you, though, a story from the end of my first time that I was in college, and it was my very last semester. I needed 13 credit hours in order to graduate, and I was taking five different classes, so 15 credit hours, so I was on track, going to graduate and everything. I was taking a class, because again, I was a business major, called Advanced Calculus with Business Applications. <laughs> now... I've always been really, really good at math, and so this should not have been a problem. However, going into the final, the professor pulled me aside and said, Gilbert, if you should get 100 on my final, which I doubt you will, you still won't pass the class. That's how bad I was doing in this particular class. You can imagine I freaked out because that's going to subtract three credits off. I need 13 credits to graduate. That's only going to give me 12 credit hours. I'm done. Now, to, to, to put this into perspective for you, I had never even gotten a D in my whole life up to that point, much less failed a class. But yet, that's exactly what happened. I failed. I wasn't going to be able to graduate. Period. Failure hurts. Failure stings. It stinks. How many ever failed at something before? Yeah. We've all failed in one way or another. Maybe you made a commitment to someone or to do something and you didn't follow through on it. You, you, you failed at it. Maybe you made a vow to God that, that God, I'm never going to do that again. God, I'm never going to say that again. God, I'm never going to look at that again. But yet you did it. You failed. Maybe you're here today and Something like you, you, you said something to your spouse or to your kids that you were going to do something for them, but then you didn't follow through. You failed. You feel horrible about it. Maybe for you, it's something personal that you said, you know what, I, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to become more financially responsible. And perhaps you did for couple days or weeks or possibly even months, but then all of a sudden you found yourself right back in all the old habits. You've let yourself down. You, you failed yourself. Maybe you're one of those people that, you know, you, you had a dream for your life. You had some goals that you had set, and you said, you know, one day I, I'm going to chase after that. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to do it, but yet you find yourself here today, and you've never taken that risk. You didn't take the chance. You're like, you know what? I, I thought by now in my life, things would be different. That I'd be a little further along than this. I bring all this up because today we're wrapping up this series called I Deserve It. And I want to talk to you about a, a guy in Scripture that he messed up. He failed. He deserved to be counted out. But yet, because of the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus, he wasn't counted out. He was instead given a second chance. So if you got a Bible this morning, you want to turn to Luke chapter 22. That's where we're going to hang out today. Luke 
chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. All the scriptures will be up on the screen behind me in your program. You got all the, uh, the notes there with the outline and the scriptures. And if you have a smartphone, you can pull that out. Make sure you check in here at Exponential. Let people know that you're here. And also on your smartphone, if you download the Uversion app, there on that app, you'll be able to uh, look up all the scriptures as well. So Luke chapter 22, let me give you a little bit of context of what's going to happen in today's story. This is the night that Jesus is arrested. He is going to be arrested. He's going to be beaten and whipped and mocked and scorned and persecuted. And then eventually the next morning, he's going to be hung on a cross. Okay, so that sort of sets the scene for what's about to happen. Jesus pulls his disciples aside. He says, look, guys, tonight I'm going to be arrested and tomorrow I'm going to die. He says, now here's the sad thing. All of you, every single one of you is going to desert me. You're going to abandon me. Now, one of Jesus' followers, a guy by the name of Peter, he stands up and he says, no, 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 Jesus, look, bro, homie, all these other losers, they may abandon you, but not me, man. I'm with you. I would never do that to you. In fact, I would even die with you. Jesus looks at me and he says, Peter, Peter, before tomorrow morning when the rooster crows, not only are you not going to die with me, but three different times you're going to deny that you even know me. And Peter's adamant, no, 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 Lord, I would never, ever do that to you. Well, if you know the story, that's exactly what happens. Three times Peter has the chance to admit that he knows Jesus and that he's on Jesus' team and sort of stand up for Jesus. But Peter three times denies him. And after that third denial, the rooster crows. And it's in that moment that Peter realizes, I've messed up. I've failed. I'm a failure. And what I want to do today is I want to go back and I actually want to go through this story and talk to you about some of the mistakes that Peter made. He made two major mistakes. I want to talk about those mistakes and how you can avoid those mistakes and what you can do in your life anytime you're facing failure. How can you get that second chance that God so much wants to give to you? So again, let's go back through the story. Luke chapter 22, we'll begin with verse 54. It says, Jesus was arrested and led away to the house of the high priest while Peter followed at a distance. Now, it's here at the house the, in the home of the high priest that Really, the, the, the abuse of Jesus is about to begin. Again, all types of things are going to happen to him. But this is where it starts. Jesus is going to walk out of this place looking different than the way he started. And the scripture says here that Peter, he was following along at a, at a distance. He was watching what was going on. And there was a fire out in the courtyard. Somebody had lit a fire trying to keep warm. And so Peter decides to go over to the fire and he's just sort of, keeping his hands warm and sort of just surveying what, what's happening here. Now, I need you to get this in your mind. This is Peter. He's in the enemy camp. He's hanging out amongst the people that want to kill Jesus. There he is, warming himself by the fire. And then he makes two mistakes. First one is this. Put it on your outline. Peter underestimated his own weakness. He underestimated his own weakness. 
Here's something that you've got to grasp. Every single one of us are capable of committing any sin at just about any time. Now, I'm not saying you would do it or that you will do it. I'm saying you're capable of doing it. All of us are capable of any sin at any time. And what Peter's problem was is that he didn't recognize that. He didn't recognize his his own weakness. That there are things in me that that aren't right with God. And if I'm not careful, I, I could stumble in this. The Apostle Paul once, he was talking about areas of of weakness and and temptation. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Be careful if you're thinking, oh, that would never, or I would never behave like that. Let this be a warning for you, for you too may fall into sin. See, it's the old, ah, that would never happen to me syndrome. You ever... You ever seen that or thought that before? Oh, I, I would never have an affair. I would never steal from my employer. I would never badmouth somebody like they just badmouth somebody. We tend to think that we're above certain sins, but here's the ironic thing. The sins that you most think that you wouldn't do are the ones that you're most likely to do. Because you're blinded. You're blinded to your own weakness. And so here's the point I want to make to you here this morning. I put it on your outline. I am only as strong as I am honest. I'm only as strong as I am honest. See, when you say things like, oh, I would never do that. I I would never become an addict. I'll, I'll never have a drinking problem. likely to happen to you. Because until you get really, really honest, then you're not going to have the power and the strength to overcome it. You're vulnerable. You got to acknowledge weakness. You got to acknowledge your areas of temptation. If you don't, if you just keep denying it, you're eventually going to give in. And that was Peter's problem. Remember he said, ah, I would never deny you, Jesus. In fact, I'm willing to die with you. He didn't realize how weak he truly was. And then ultimately, he denies Jesus three times. Here's the second problem he had. Peter followed Jesus at a distance. He was following Jesus at a distance, Scripture says here. Here's the point, here's the application of this that I I really want to drive home to you, and I think this is going to be convicting for some of you. Here's how I put it on your outline. I am as close to Jesus as I choose to be. Everybody says, man, I want to be close to God, but I don't feel close to God. Now, let me ask you a question. You look like a smart crowd. When you don't feel close to God, do you think that that's because God's not close to you, he's withholding something from you, or is that because you're not close to him? It's because you're not close to him. You're following him at a a distance. Here's the thing. Uh, 
Everybody wants all the benefits of Jesus, right? I don't want to go to hell, so I want to be close enough to Jesus that I don't have to go to hell. And I want to be close enough to Jesus that I get the the benefits, I get the blessings of Jesus. But you know what? I I don't want to be so close that he like asks me to do something I don't want to do. See, many people follow Jesus at a distance like that because it's more comfortable to follow Jesus at a distance. Because if we get really, really close, he may ask you to do something you don't want to do. He may ask you to say something you don't want to say. He may ask you to move somewhere you don't want to move to. He may ask you to to serve or to share your faith. People are like, I I don't know, I don't don't want to get too close. I mean, what, what if my friends make fun of me? What if they start calling me a a Jesus freak or something like that? So we just sort of keep Jesus at a distance. But let me tell you how ridiculous that is. How many of you ever been to like a a sporting event or a concert or a play or something like that where you had like front row seats or you were pretty close to the front? You were like right up at the action, right? Isn't that cool (laughs) When, when you're like right up there? I mean, you you can sit up in the nosebleed seats if you want, and you're at least there, but there's just something about being up front that's like, wow, this is amazing. Well, here's the deal. If that's true of a sporting event, if that's true of of a concert or something, that being close is better, what makes you think that that isn't the same way with Jesus? Why would you want to stay a distance from him when up close you get to be in the action? Up close, you get to hear his voice. Why in the world would you want to stay a distance away from the creator of the universe? See, Peter denies Jesus when? When he started following at a distance. Now, let me really, really drive this home for you. Again, earlier in the night, Jesus had said, look, you guys are going to fall away on my account. You're going to deny me. You're going to abandon me. And Peter stood up and said, no, 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 I'm willing to die with you. Well, guess what? He was, actually. Because shortly after this story takes place, Peter is with Jesus when the troops come to arrest Jesus. Peter's right there next to Jesus. And what does Peter do when they come in? He pulls out his sword. He takes the sword. He tries to lop a guy's head off. Now he missed, and he only got an ear. <laughs> like, she's like, Peter, 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 put, put the sword away. Peter, pick, pick that up for me. Pick that up. Here, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus takes the ear and he heals the man. And Jesus says to him, look, Peter, put the sword away. That's not what we're about. That's not what we're going to do. But I really want you to get this. When Peter was right next to Jesus, when he was close to Jesus, he was willing to die. He got the sword out. He's willing to fight. But as soon as Jesus says, no, we're going to do things my way, not your way, when they haul Jesus off, Instead of staying right there with Jesus saying, if he's going to die, if he's going to be arrested, then I'm going to be arrested and I'm going to die. What does Peter do? He's like sulking. Can't do things my way. And then he starts to follow 
at a distance. Please don't make the same mistake. Stay right there with Jesus. Don't follow at a distance. Again, things are so much better when you're up close. It was only when he started following at a distance that he became vulnerable. So again, Peter underestimated his own weakness. He followed at a distance. And here's how it cost him. Look at verse 56. It says, A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, This man was one of Jesus' followers. Peter denies it. No, I'm, not, I'm not one of his followers. What are you talking about? A little bit later, again, somebody says, wait a second, I, I've seen you hanging out with Jesus. You're one of his followers. Peter's like, no, 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 I, I don't even know this man. I mean, what are you talking about? Second time he's denied him. Then we get to verse 59. About an hour later, a third person insisted, certainly this man was with him because he is from Galilee too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Matthew, who also records this story, he adds a little bit to it because he says that Peter actually said these words, if I am lying, let a curse fall upon me. Basically, he's saying, look, if I'm lying to you, then I can go straight to hell. Peter denies Jesus this third time. And then the rooster crows. Peter thought that he was fooling everybody. But the only person he was really fooling was himself. He thought he had pulled the wool over everybody's eyes, that I'm getting away with this. But he wasn't. And unfortunately, that's the place that some of you find yourself in. You know, you keep telling yourself, you know, I don't have a problem. But yet, you do. You're like, I I can quit this at any time. Well, if that was true, you'd already done it. We've got to be very, very careful about the things that we deny. We've got to be honest. Some of you, your marriages are struggling You're like, oh, yeah, it's not perfect, but it'll be okay. Well, maybe it will be okay. But don't get to the place where you're like so denying it that you're you're so proud that you won't even like consider getting counseling or help or something like that. Again, some of you, and again, I'm, I'm just throwing out alcohol as one thing, but, you know, we've talked about this before. Alcohol is not a sin in and of itself. Getting drunk is. But for some people, alcohol can even become a crutch that, you know, I just, I can't unwind at night unless I come home and have a glass of wine or have a beer or something like that. Well, you know what? That's fine. But why don't you take like two or three weeks or a month just to try not having it? I don't have a problem. I don't, well, then then try it. And again, this can be other areas of life too. It's not just alcohol. Anything in your life. We we need to evaluate our lives in every area to see, is there anything that I'm denying that, that could possibly be a problem? Again, Peter, he was just fooling himself. He denies Jesus three times. Verse 
60 to 62 then. It says, right then, while Peter was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered what the Lord had said. Before a rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will say three times that you don't know me. And then Peter went out and he cried hard. He cried hard. I wonder, when was the last time you cried over your sinfulness? In other words, when was the last time that you let the weight of how frail and sinful we are just just devastate you, break you? You say, well, why is that important? Well, simply for this reason, we've talked about it before, that repentance doesn't mean that you're just sorry that you got caught. Repentance is so sorrowful that it breaks your heart that you've broken the heart of God. That you're so disappointed in yourself that I have disappointed God. When was the last time you cried that, God, I am a sinner. I have messed up. And and you felt sick to your stomach over your sin. And it wasn't just, again, that that you're sorry that you got caught, but you're so sick about your sin that you're like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I mean, I, I may physically vomit if I continue to do this. That's how devastated you are by it. That's what it says happens here with, with Peter. He's devastated. He, he cries hard that, how could I do this to my Lord? That's the same attitude we need to have any time that we're in sin. How could I have done this? And it breaks us to the point that we're willing to be broken and restored by God. See, here's the thing. Peter had made this very bold statement that Jesus, I'll never deny you. In fact, Jesus, I'm willing to die with you. But then just a couple hours later, I mean, this isn't even like years later that he had forgotten this promise. This is just hours later. He doesn't even follow through. The rooster crows. He realizes that he's failed. Peter deserved to be counted out. But yet, here's how amazing God is. How amazing Jesus is. Jesus said, I'm not going to count you out. Instead, I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm not going to read it to you, but uh, I would encourage you to, on your own at some point, read John chapter 21. It's actually the, the story of Jesus restoring Peter. And I'll just summarize it for you. Three times Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, yes, Lord, of course I love you. And it's sort of a symbolic way that Peter had denied Jesus three times. And so Jesus uses this question three times of asking, do you love me? To forgive him and and restore him. He's like, Peter, I'm not done with you. I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm still going to use you. Yeah, you may have failed in this event, in this situation, but you're not a failure. I'm going to use you. In fact, when Jesus decided to to start this thing called the church, at the very first church service, you know what Jesus wanted the topic of the day to be? He wanted it to be about repentance and forgiveness. Guess who he chooses to preach that day? Peter. Because who better to preach a message on repentance and forgiveness than a guy that had just prior, just, you know, 
literally a couple weeks before, had, had been so broken by his sin that he cried out for forgiveness. And he repented of it. Peter preaches this message. And on that day, 3,000 people come into relationship with Jesus. What an amazing story that Peter was counted out, or at least in his own mind. But Jesus said, no, 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 I'm not done with you. I'm going to use you to make a difference. And Peter goes on and he leads thousands of people into a relationship with Jesus. And he goes on to be the leader in the local church there in Jerusalem. He's one of the, the real big you know, founders of how the whole thing got started. All because God didn't give up on him. And here's the point that I want to make to you. It's something I heard many years ago. I forget who I first heard say this. If you don't get anything else out of today, please get this. Put it on your outline this way. I should never put a period where God has put a comma. Let me say that again. I should never put a period where God has put a comma. Many of you think that you've failed, that you've messed up, that it's done, period. Take that period away. You're going, I, my marriage, I, I messed up, I failed, I, I got a divorce, life is over, period. No, no, no. You messed up, you got a divorce, comma. But God is not surprised. God is still with you. God will pick up the broken pieces and help to restore you. I'm, I'm struggling financially. I'm so scared right now, period. No, 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 no. I'm struggling financially. I'm scared. But Scripture tells me that if I trust in God, He will supply for all of my needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. Gilbert, I failed advanced calculus with business applications. I didn't graduate, period. Nope, actually, that's not how the story ends. I, Gilbert, failed advanced calculus with business applications, but God miraculously supplied a, a, way, or a way for me to, over the course of the next week, be able to earn three credit hours so that I was able to walk across the stage with the rest of my classmates. We, a lot of times, put a period where God says, no, 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 that's a comma. There's more to the story yet. And again, that was the story with Peter. Peter denies Jesus. The rooster crows. Period. Nope. Peter denies Jesus. The rooster crows. Comma. But Jesus forgave him anyway. And Jesus used him to make a tremendous, tremendous difference. I think what Peter learned out of this whole thing is that, look, success isn't final and failure isn't fatal. Think about that. You can have a world of success. But that's not final. There's still more to the story. You can fail in something but it's not fatal. That's not the end of the story either. 
See, here's what we got to understand. Failure is an event, not a person. You are not a failure. Just because you messed up, just because you failed, doesn't make you a failure. You know what that makes you? Makes you a human. It just makes you human. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to do things that we didn't want to do. We fail, but that doesn't make us a failure. Peter wasn't a failure. He failed at one particular thing. And Jesus says, that's not the end of the story. It's only a comma. I forgive you, and I'm going to use you. And again, I hope that you'll learn from that and do the same thing in your life. Realize that it's just a comma. Now, there is sort of a neat little bow that we can tie on this whole story, so to speak. Many of you may not know this part of it. Peter, years later, again, he's been the leader in the church, and he's started churches, and he's traveled, he's done all kinds of things for Jesus. And eventually, people come to him, and they're like, if you keep preaching this name of Jesus, we're going to kill you. Peter's like, then you're going to have to kill me then. They're like, okay, we are. We're going to crucify you, just like we crucified him. Peter says this, I don't deserve to die in the same way that my Lord did. So if you're going to crucify me, here's my request. Do it upside down. And that's how Peter died. He was crucified upside down. Now we talked at Easter how painful crucifixion is, right side up. Upside down is just horrendous. Second time in his life, he had the opportunity to deny Jesus. This time, he had learned from his mistakes. He had learned from his past. He learned from his failure. And he didn't deny him again. And you can only imagine how great his reward is in heaven. Again, I hope today you'll take the same thing out of this message. And that all of us, what do we really deserve? We deserve to be counted out. But, comma, God is a God of second chances. The question is today, will you accept that in your own life? Will you stop beating yourself up over your past failures and say, God, I'm willing today to let you write the rest of the story. I pray you'll do that. Join me in prayer. Jesus, we thank you that over these past four weeks, we've been able to look at all these stories of different things that we truly deserve, but how you give us something so much better. And so, Lord, I, I pray that today as people have walked in, if they've been living that, that life of of I'm a failure, I'm a, a loser, I deserve to be counted out. Lord, I pray that through the power of your Spirit today, you've been speaking to hearts and to lives to say, no, 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 that's not the end of the story. It's just a comma. And that, Lord, right now, they would be broken over their past. They would be broken over their sinfulness. But then they would realize that your Spirit is here. And your Spirit is willing to restore us, cleanse us, and make us whole. Lord, help us to be close to You, to draw close, 
Lord, there's so many people that they say, oh, I want to be close to Jesus, but yet they're not reading your word every day. There's so many people that say, I want to be close to you, but then they're not serving here at the church or out in the community. Oh, Jesus, I want to be close to you, but then they only show up every couple weeks to church. Jesus, help us when we say, I want to be close to then follow through with our actions, to dig into your word every day, to learn to to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, to, to serve them in any way that we can, to, to rejoice in, in gathering together on Sunday mornings uh, and just to worship you and learn about you. Let that be the, the highlight of our week, the, the biggest priority of our week. Lord, help us not to play games. Help us not to keep you at a distance, but to draw close. We know that as we draw close to you, you're going to draw even closer to us. And then we're going to be able to walk in the power of your forgiveness, in the power of your mercy, in this power that you give us of a second chance. Every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning. If you're saying, Gilbert, you know what? I need that second chance. I, I've messed up in some way. I, I, I failed at something in the past, but I need that second chance. Would you just raise your hand up here today? So I could see it that, yes, I need a second chance. Yep, you can put your hands down. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that many people this morning are responding to your message. Right now, let your spirit just give them a confidence that they haven't had, that I am forgiven, I am whole, I am clean. That is the past. Jesus, you're giving me a fresh start right here. And right now, Lord, thank you for doing that. Help us as a, a church body just to, to rally around each other and help each other walk in the reality of what we've talked about today. That even though we deserve to be counted out, you've given us a second chance. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.